0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Uh, and this is Stuff You Should Know. Chuck, Sachet, Shantae. Just a couple of drag queens hanging out. Talking yeah, shop. We should say Chuck and I are both in full drag right now.
0: That's right. Uh, you did a nice job with the... Uh, The hair, the wig, I like. Thank you. You Um, find it not too big, is it? No, you can't get too big if you're a drag queen. I'm a
1: little more fishy than glamour.
0: The lashes are nice, Mm. and I notice, uh, keeping with the uh, tradition set by Julian Eltinge, your hands are quite feminine.
1: Oh, well, I'm holding them in a very feminine manner.
0: Well done. Thank you. They're powdered just right. The knuckles aren't as hairy as usual. And I like your campy drag.
1: Thank you. Uh, I had no idea that your forearms were so big and that you had an anchor tattoo.
0: That's right. And if you notice my crotch, uh, you won't notice anything. Smooth as a Ken doll. That's right. It's taped and tucked.
1: You're wearing a gaff, eh?
0: So that's really all you need to know.
1: I went online and I uh, looked up how to, how to make a gaff or gaffs. I was like, I think I understand what this is, but I need to, find out Mm -hmm. and i saw a youtube tutorial by a drag queen sure how to make one out of um like an underwear waistband like an elastic band yeah and a tube sock cut on either end so it's open okay and you just slide the tube sock or no you slide the elastic band through the open tube sock Mm -hmm. and uh step into the elastic band Mm -hmm. right because it makes two holes that way sure for your legs and then I guess it's everything gets real compressed.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Well, uh, that's great. I use duct tape. It's a little more uncomfortable. I'm going to use your method for them for that video today. Yeah. Yours. It
1: looked like <laughs> it looked cheap, easy, quick and as comfortable as that kind of thing can be.
0: So people, if you are not one that reads titles to podcasts and you just say, you know, I'm going to hear what's going on. Mm-hmm. We're talking about drag queens and it has an interesting history and it's an interesting culture and we like to cover those things. Yeah. So let's do it. Uh, well, this is a uh, Conger article. Yes, Kristen Conger from Stuff Mom Never Told You.
1: Yeah, and she did a really good job of, like, kind of tracing the history and, like, really getting into the culture of, of drag queens. Yeah. And um, it turns out that there is a considered father of drag queens, although he went to great pains to um, suggest that he wasn't gay.
0: That's because he was totally gay.
1: <laughs> I think so. Like, I noticed she used the... the she pointed out that he was a bachelor.
0: Yeah, I, I looked up more on that. It was often rumored that he... We're talking about who we mentioned earlier with the hands, Julian Eltinge. Mm-hmm. Eltinge. Eltinge. And, Elting, and uh, born William Dalton. And this is early 20th century, and he made a big, big name for himself Yeah, dressing like a lady. Yeah. And um, performing.
1: In vaudeville, um, he started out, I guess, as a vaudeville performer, but then he... He was in a play called The Fascinating Widow in 1911. Yeah. And apparently the ladies loved him. Of course. Loved his drag because he was just really good at it. Yeah. And, um, from there, he ended up with, he ended up on screen Uh in films.
0: Sponsorship deals?
1: Yeah. He apparently was the highest salaried performer of his age. That's crazy. Um, there were fan magazines dedicated to him and, like, dressing up as women. He had zines, multiple zines. Yeah. At least three. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, he performed for King Edward the Seventh of the UK, who right. was delighted by his performance. Of course, he was. So this guy um, Julian Elting, is like making quite a name for himself, and and again, he 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 went to great lengths to be like, look at me, I'm a guy. See, I'm smoking cigars and I'm fishing.
0: Yeah, but I, like I said, I looked into it more, and apparently he would um, he would attack people in the audience sometimes when they would. Yell out derogatory terms about his masculinity. Oh yeah. And, uh, he would challenge people to fights and things and he was a lifelong bachelor. So I think that probably meant that he was gay. Right. Which is fine because as a cross dresser, you can be gay or straight. Doesn't matter. You can right. be transgender. Doesn't matter. Yeah. There are all different stripes of people who like to put on the opposite clothes of whatever their gender is because they're kings as well and perform on stage. It's just, you know, it's fun. It's a lighthearted, fun thing.
1: Right. Well, that's the whole point of it. It's supposed to be lighthearted and fun. Yeah. It, it wasn't always, though. Um, there was a, a very long period where when men dressed up as women on stage, it was because women weren't allowed to perform on stage, so men were frequently, like, doing this uh, straight, very seriously, yeah. in dramas. Um, in Greece, in ancient Greece, it was considered dangerous for women to be on stage, and they were not allowed to be in any of the Greek dramas, That's which right. is kind of ironic because the Greek theater arose out of the rites of Dionysus, uh, yeah. which were performed almost exclusively by women. Mm-hmm. And then, But once it was established as theater, the men were like, thank you for bringing this to our attention. No, go over there because it's too dangerous here. Right. Very interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, and in the Middle Ages, of course, um, the Christian church chimed in and said, you know what? Here's what theater is. It is... Um, Bible stories on stage in church, church pageants, basically.
1: It's like, Oh, you used to like the theater. Well, get a load of this because this is what it is now.
0: Yeah. And women were not allowed to take part in that. Of course, men would play the parts of women. Uh, and it wasn't until the 17th century in opera that women finally, uh, the stage opened up and they were allowed to tread the boards. Yeah.
1: If, uh, in Shakespeare's era, um, men played both roles and I think, uh, what was it? 1660? that uh, one of the kings in England, Charles II, yeah, the sequel, he said, you know what, let's let the ladies back on stage. But even after that, this uh, idea of men dressing up as
0: women still continued on. Yeah, and women are actually dressing as men in what they call breeches roles. Right. but they wore breeches. They, yeah, <laughs> that's a you know?
1: pretty straightforward terminology. <laughs> but King Charles called the bluff of all the performers. He was like, you know what? You don't have to dress as women anymore. We'll just let women on stage. And the guys are like, well, but, but, but we, <laughs> fine. We really like this.
0: Yeah. And well, what happened too was men started to, be, to play women in a, in a funnier way. And it was more for comedy because right. they wouldn't try to look super feminine. They would try to look like a big burly man in a dress, which is sort of like in the Monty Python tradition. Like, yeah. Although they were, no, they weren't exactly no. <laughs> they were not fishy at all. But uh, we'll get to that. That's actually a thing. Yeah. Fishy drag. Yeah. Um. Well, you might as well tell them.
1: Well, I already mentioned it earlier. I said I'm more fishy than campy. Yeah, but I don't glam. think they understand. Fishy means- Fishy is going after like the, like you want people to confuse you for a woman. Exactly. Like as feminine as like womanly as possible. is like dead on.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. And then campy is obviously- more for comedy, you're more Mm masculine-looking, and then there's, of course, the glamour drag, which is...
1: Huge hair, huge eyelashes, and glittery dresses.
0: So back to history, though. Interestingly, when the West was um, loosening restrictions, Mm -hmm. in Japan and the East, they were tightening them and making uh, men, uh, once again, play the uh, onagata roles, female impersonators, in kabuki productions. They're like, the ladies cannot do kabuki any longer
1: yeah and that lasted through the 19th century in japan
0: really yeah wow so it's weird how it was like
1: uh, i guess if you're a woman you could have been in japan and then when they closed it down in japan you could have gone over to england yeah bam i guess so you're all set traveling performer um so in in the west in uh england in particular that whole uh king charles ii bluff that was called where that became eventually the idea that if you were dressing in drag on stage mm-hmm. um it was for laughs right you weren't trying to pull off being a woman you're right. trying to just make make fun of the juxtaposition of you big burly dude wearing a dress and acting as a woman but right. not doing a very good job of it that gave rise to a type of theater called pantomime and is it, the shortened term of it is panto and i guess mime is the other half of what came out of this yeah but panto theater is like a, a big burly dudes in drag playing the women, and then a woman playing like a young male who's now being um, inducted into the world of sex, right? And the and the adult, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think the first panto play was from 1723, right?
0: Yeah, it started out there, and then spread over to the United States in the form of uh, you know before movie theaters and things like that, America's favorite entertainment. Was when the vaudeville show came through.
1: Sometimes that was your only entertainment. Yeah, better like shooting at things in your
0: yard. So it was their favorite and also their most hated form of entertainment, (laughs) right? Because that was it. Yeah. Uh, So the vaudeville act would roll through town, and there would, uh, you know, there'd be all kinds of theater and uh, weird performances, and jugglers and ventriloquists and acrobats and things like that. Banjos. And then uh, actually, drag performances, to the delight of families and children, and it was all seen as just good fun there was mm-hmm. no um link to homosexuality at the time
1: at the at the least america wasn't putting its hang ups about homosexuality onto drag performances
0: yeah well then that really came about at the turn of the century that's when people got a little more like hey what's going on here as as gay people came out of the closet a little bit more and into the forefront a little bit more and we mean in very small steps obviously back then yeah People like, well wait a minute, why, why, why are these guys dressing up like ladies all of a sudden? Right, like, right. Is this fun or is this like wrong?
1: Right, you, you like this don't you?
0: Right, and because of prohibition, uh, people needed their little speakeasies, their little secret places to go drink, it also birthed secret places for gay dudes to go hang out. Yeah, they sort of created the first gay bars initially.
1: Right, which ultimately in turn about 40 years later started to give rise to the first discos. Remember that? Oh yeah. They grew out of gay bars. That's right. Um and there are New York, Chicago, big towns, probably Kansas City at the time,
0: sure, San Francisco,
1: went through what was called a pansy craze. Yeah. Not our term. No. Um, and where basically it became like the era of the gay man coming out of the closet. Like there are lots of bars to go to. There are yeah. lots of nightclubs. It was like, uh, the first gay culture in the United States really started to come about. Yeah. And That's I remember I've right. read somewhere that, um, cocaine used to be a gay drug. Oh really? Yeah. They called it, um, I'm sorry to say this. They used to call cocaine fairy dust. Oh yeah. Because it was so favored by gay guys huh. around this time, um, because I guess you could get it legally.
0: When was this, in like the 50s or 40s No, no, no 40s like the and 20s. Oh, okay.
1: The, the 20s, maybe the
0: 30s. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so by the 1950s, this is when uh, there were actual laws against being gay and laws against dressing as a woman. And in fact, in New York City, which you would think would be super forward thinking, uh, in the 1950s, they had a cross-dressing law, or I guess anti-cross-dressing law, that said that you, as a man, were legally bound to wear no fewer than three pieces of male clothing in order to not be arrested for being in drag.
1: Right. And this is a problem for these gay bars because they frequently had drag shows. Sure. Um, so I guess I was thinking like you just maybe do like a uh, like a full-on, full-circle mm-hmm. cross-dress where you dress as a woman dressing as a man.
0: As, as a woman. Victor Victoria.
1: he just blew my mind.
0: That was Victor Victoria. That was the movie with with, uh, Julie Andrews. It was a woman impersonating a man impersonating a woman.
1: I thought that was Burt Reynolds. (laughs) No, it was
0: Julie Andrews. (laughs) She did a really good job. (laughs) You're thinking of Deliverance. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that went way different than Victor (laughs) Victoria. (laughs) So um, by the time... The nineteen sixties, mid sixties, rolled around. There's a, a Congress cites a a book called Mother Camp where they estimated about five hundred regularly performing drag queens by the by nineteen sixty six. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty high number for back then.
1: Yeah, it's a I would imagine, uh, although I'm sure it's quite a lot more than that now. But we're talking the sixties, and this is a time when, if you were a, at a gay bar, just being dressed in drag. Yeah. Like, there was a pretty high likelihood the cops were going to come busting down the door and take you to jail and probably beat you up for oh, being sure. gay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 500 performing out in the open is, I would imagine, that's a pretty good number.
0: But at the time, there were uh, newer performers that, like El Tanj, wanted this, this one guy, Bailey, Jim Bailey, who apparently did a spot on Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. And he was very adamant about saying, no, I'm not a crossdresser. I'm not a drag queen. I am a female impersonator. And he, you know, had a long run in the business as such. But yeah. it, was, it was a big distinction for him. Yeah.
1: He yeah he, he wanted to be called an illusionist. And that makes the point that I think he said earlier, not everyone who does drag is gay. And not everyone who does drag crossdresses in um, their offstage life. Yeah. Uh, but... For the most part, if you're going to put money on whether or not a drag queen is is gay, you can probably bet that they probably are under normal circumstances.
0: Yeah, I don't think we even mentioned the drag queen, where that came from, the term. Oh, no, we didn't. That would have been good in the intro. It would have been. <laughs> Let's just do it here. Well, when we were talking about theater, it would have been a good one. All right, so the term drag uh was the original parlance for men dressing in women's clothing, and I didn't it's see it's a theater term. Yeah, theater term, but Hundreds I don't know where that came from, though. I don't either. Okay, and then queen, of course, is a is a you know slur, a slur
1: for an effeminate gay man. Sure, so drag queen put together, you just got the term drag queen.
0: That's right. So it's underground. Oh, and, and
1: also we should say uh transvestite, transsexual, not really favored terms in the gay community, especially these days, because. Uh, it, you know, up until not that long ago in the DSM and possibly still listed in the DSM, those are mental disorders. People who, who yeah. do that are mentally ill, according to psychology.
0: Which is fairly ridiculous. We should encourage people to go listen to our, uh, what do we call that one? Gender Reassignment? Gender Reassignment. That was a good one. That was a really good one. Um, so in the 1960s, things start coming out. Uh, people start coming out. Drag queens start becoming more visible. And then, of course, in 1969, I know we've promised this podcast we'll do it at some point, the famous Stonewall riots took place wherein uh, June 28th, New York City police raided the Stonewall Inn. Which was run, run by the mafia at the time. It was New York's only gay bar. Run by the mafia. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and they fought back, and there was a six-day basically riot fight Going on between cops and these gay guys.
1: Yeah. They just said, you know what? We may dress like ladies, but we fight like dudes. That's
0: right. We're not going to take it, basically.
1: Yeah. And so and pretty much from there, the gay rights movement in the U.S. was born. And not even pretty much like, yeah, it happened right there. But Conger kind of describes the scene that um, the, the, it was a six-day skirmish with high-heel-wearing drag queens. Um, but you can imagine that that probably was quite a scene. Oh, yeah. Quite a tableau.
0: Yeah, they should do a movie about that. They did. Oh, they did?
1: Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. It's a documentary. Oh, a documentary. Yeah, I'm sure there's a bunch, but there's one before Stonewall or after Stonewall. Maybe just Stonewall. During Stonewall? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perry Stonewall.
0: Um So in the mid-1960s, when all this is blossoming, uh, a guy named Jose Julio Saria, uh in San Francisco, he was... Harvey Milk was not the first openly gay political candidate in San Francisco. No, it was was actually Saria, and he founded something called the Imperial Court System, uh, and it was basically a drag community organization to help people out and throw drag balls, and you know now is philanthropic with uh, HIV and AIDS organizations. Yeah, so they're still around. Oh, yeah, things.
1: they're bigger than ever. Of
0: Chapters all over the place. All over the place. Different countries, Canada, Mexico.
1: Yeah, but the, the Imperial Court system was a really big step. Um this was uh in the mid sixties, I think it was before Stonewall, right? Yeah, I think so. Um and this is in the face of like crackdowns, getting arrested, getting beat up, really being mistreated, um and, and not having any civil rights. This guy forms the imperial court system and it's like one of the first big steps at unifying not just the drag community but yeah. the gay community sure and really kind of provided this this basis or this template for you know integration and support with uh, among gays around the country and i guess a, a a way to say hey there's a lot of other people over here that feel the same way you do and think the same way you do and it's right. not just here in san francisco it's not just here in new york they're all over the place and this was one of the first cohesions of that mentality right which is a big, big deal.
0: Yeah, it was. And uh, the drag balls that they um, initiated and started uh, became very popular within the African-American drag community. Mm-hmm. And these days, um, Conger described it as like a fraternity system where if you're an up and comer and you're a drag queen, you can get sort of like a sponsor, a mother or a father, to help you out, show you the ropes. Maybe if, if you were kicked out of your house by your parents because you're not accepted or out of your hometown, they'll put you up and find you a place to live and and you you know who else does that who cindy Lauper.
1: does she really yeah she uh i think founded and definitely funds like some sort of rescue
0: system like a halfway house
1: yeah for teens who are kicked out for being gay
0: nice isn't that yeah she's awesome she is i think i told you i went to her uh, halloween party one year in new york
1: you did not tell me that
0: yeah my friend was um is a huge fan and like on the inside, as far as fandom, you know, like she knows who he is. And uh, he got an invitation to her Halloween party at her loft in New York. And I went, and it was awesome. And I met her and got a picture made. And that is cool. She was as sweet as she could be.
1: Yeah, yeah. She seems like she's, like, living the personality.
0: Yeah, and boy, what a party, man.
1: I can imagine. Whew. Yeah. You mean I went and saw her uh, a couple of years ago? Yeah. And Dr. John opened for. Her. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we were there for you know the Dr. John show too, and when Dr. John ended, like everyone got up and left, and then new people came in and sat down for the Cindy Lauper show. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it was a funny. weird mix, but uh, <laughs> that didn't end up mixing. That's like. Uh, it was cool. To see both of them.
0: Uh, like. Zach Brown opening for Dolly Parton.
1: Yeah, something like that. Maybe even, maybe even weirder. Like,
0: they're both country, quote unquote. Right. right. Uh, so if you're interested in seeing more about the, um, African American drag balls, there's a great documentary, uh, called Paris is Burning.
1: Have you seen it? Huh? Yeah, it's really. I've I've not
0: seen it. Super entertaining. Cool. Really good. Uh, and we mentioned drag kings earlier. Uh, That is a thing. Women Mm -hmm. can also dress as men.
1: Yeah, which was not a stretch. Once drag queens were established, a guy named Johnny Science about 1989 said, what about drag kinks? Yeah. And bam, there they are.
0: That's right. So let's talk about what you need to do. What kind of transformation needs to take place? I know we kind of hinted at it earlier with our jokes about tucking and plucking. but J- Jokes? That, <laughs> that's where it starts. And we remarked about your hands. Um, Julian Tinge was, um, you'd think, you know, all the work goes on the face, but he said the most important thing is the hands.
1: Well, that was the one that he worried about the most. Sure. Well, you remember that Seinfeld man hands yeah yeah well i mean that makes i can imagine it's very distracting if you have a couple of chunks of ham yeah you know and you're acting very effeminate or whatever that's weird
0: yeah they went so over the top in that episode with how big it was like i'm sure it was like the key grip or something yeah breaking the bread and yeah. stuff Yeah, <laughs> that was great like so just you just get, disintegrating got something bread. in your face yeah <laughs>
1: that was so good
0: um so uh all right so what, what do you do you got to get the hands powdered and he said there's certain ways of holding them to make them appear to be more dainty well
1: he did I got the impression that he was particularly obsessed about this but he he, he might would have had big hands spend like an hour and a half just working on the hands that's just the hands so you can you can guess how long it takes to like do makeup yeah because not only are you doing makeup you have to do it right but you have to do it to cover up the fact that you're a man sure so you have to like cover up the fact that you're a man and then do the makeup as a woman, I imagine.
0: Yeah. And I think things really picked up in the seventies with this as far as really going all out after, um, a San Francisco, uh, drag show, uh, collective called the Coquettes. Apparently they put on a not so great show and Gore Vidal himself said famously in his review, no talent is not enough. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, great. You're drag queens, but this is awful. Basically yeah. you still got to. Like, give the audience something.
1: Well, they were also not necessarily, like, real drag queens. They were a bunch of hippies on acid. Oh, sure. And they basically did their own pretty much improv musical that sucked. Yeah. But the fact that they were doing it in drag made real the real drag community, and I, I, I may be wrong, but I have the impression they weren't, like, representative of the real drag community yeah, say, you're probably right. whoa, this can, like, people are paying attention. And people want like a good show, yeah. So let's give it to them. Yeah, give them some talent. Yeah, and that so that show, that cockette show, yeah, was like kind of a turning point as far as like let's do this right. If if you're gonna dress up like a woman, do it right. Yeah, and if you've ever been, you ever been to a drag show? I've seen them before, yeah.
0: I've been to a few, and I've been to some ones that were great, and I've been to some ones that sucked. Mm -hmm. And it's like any other theatrical experience. It's, it's like, it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. If it's bad, it's real bad. You know? Oh well, yeah, saying? yeah. I mean, Seriously it's the same laughing. as like,
1: <laughs> well, it's the same like watching improv or whatever. Yeah. Like, if you see people who are really good at improv. It's amazing. And then you see people who are just trying improv. Yeah. You, you can't even put them in the same link. It's like, it's like Dolly Parton and Zach Brown. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So in order to kick it up a notch, they had to start taking more care with their appearance and the first step, if you're interested in giving this a shot, and your dude, is to shave.
1: That's a pretty good first step. Like, if you're going really fishy shave. or glamour. Yeah.
0: Yeah, real close shave. As close as you can get. Um, if you're
1: doing camping, you might not necessarily have to shave.
0: Yeah, that's true. Like, I could get up there with my beard mm-hmm. and be thoroughly disgusting as a woman.
1: <laughs> Just kind of hump the air <laughs> without moving your arms.
0: Um... <laughs> The next thing you need to do is you need to apply lots and lots of makeup in a uh traditionally uh, in a tradition called beating your face or beating your mug. Yeah. And that's what they call it in the, in the drag community. That's really like a lot of cosmetics. You want to hide like heavy jaw lines and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. And just slather it on. Basically, the more the better, depending on what you're going for, of course.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if you're going, like, real feminine, you got to be careful. Sure. You can't just cake it on. You have to take some <laughs> skill, I would think. That's right. Um, and then the tuck. Yeah, the tuck. We talked about the gaff. You can also use tape. Um, I guess you could also tuck if you're just going to walk like a penguin or whatever all night.
0: Yeah, or like Buffalo Bill. Right,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or um, I think a scary movie, too, when one of the Wayans brothers is like, there, There's a shot of like the waist up. He's like, He has his arms out like he's showing off his shirt. He's like, what do you guys think, tucked or untucked? And then they pan out <laughs> and he's tucked in. He has his legs pressed together. Everybody's like, um, untucked. I didn't see those movies. That sounds funny,
0: though. Oh, those were
1: surprisingly funny movies. Oh, really? Yeah? yeah.
0: I like the spoof movie. I just sort of grew out of them after Airplane and, and uh, the Naked Gun movies. I didn't really yeah. see a whole lot of them after that.
1: They're They're good.
0: Um at least the first four. <laughs> so after you've done your tucking and your taping and you're all fit tight down there, um you might want to add some breasts. It's probably a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm. You can add silicone, all those they can be expensive. And I'm not talking about implants. I'm talking about a silicone implant that you would like put in a brazier.
1: Right. Or there's ones that adhere to your body and like like your body temperature adheres them to your body. And mm-hmm. they're like Really? Well, that's what this article says. I don't – it's not like I'm
0: in (laughs) the fake breasts. I didn't notice that part. That sounds gross.
1: Yeah. She's saying – Congress says that, like, these things are, like, a couple of hundred dollars for, like, the really good ones that are really realistic. So I imagine, again, if you're going fishy, it it probably just takes a lot more time. Yeah. A lot more effort and a lot more money to to be a fishy drag queen. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah.
0: It's a lot easier just to, you know, be campy and look funny and – uh, and then, of course, the name is a big, big part of the culture. Um, generally the names are sort of like Bart Simpson's prank calls. You know, like, uh. Amanda Hug and Kiss? Yeah, exactly. Most of the names are like that. Um. Head of Lettuce? I, yeah, Head of Lettuce. I, I looked up some, some of my favorites. Okay. Uh, Madam Overy. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Gene Poole. Uh huh. And a lot of, obviously, a lot of times too, it's toying with the fact of, of gender and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Wilma Ballsdrop.
1: <laughs> Good lord.
0: Uh, Tess Tosterone. <laughs> and, uh, then a nice clean one for everyone out there, Della Catessin. That's nice. Those are just a few of the funny ones.
1: That's like a throwback to the vaudeville when drag, drag shows were family-friendly. That's right. Good, clean fun.
0: Um, no, it's still good, clean fun.
1: Delicatessen. had yeah. a lettuce. <laughs> Wilma Balls Drop.
0: Uh, but the name is a big part of it. You know, coming up with a great name can really, like, that just kicks it off right because when you're announced, if it's a great name, the audience is tickled from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. If it's a bad name, they're like, oh, God, what's this going to be? Right. You know?
1: So what are you doing this for, Chuck?
0: Well... There's all different kinds of things. Um, a regular drag performance that I've been to is either lip-syncing or actually performing like karaoke style mm-hmm. on stage, one after another. There's usually an MC and drag handling the whole show, right? And it's basically like just a you know stage performance singing, right? But they can also like get real gigs.
1: Well, yeah, like I mean hosting or. Um Being, I guess, kind of a party promoter. Yeah. Just kind of circulating around a party, like keeping everything
0: light. Like what's more fun than hiring a drag queen to come to your party and just kind of lighten things up? I think that's a great idea. You know?
1: Yeah. As RuPaul said, the whole point is to not take life too seriously. Exactly. So when you have somebody dressed as a woman, not taking life too seriously, your guests are probably going to lighten up a little bit too. If you have like somebody wandering around saying, I'm head of lettuce, right? (laughs) You know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we can't not mention Australia because for some reason, even though Australia is the center of masculinity on the planet, it's rife with
1: drag queens. Thanks to a, a particular movie.
0: Is it because of that or was that already a thing and they just highlighted that? I wonder.
1: I, I took it that it was the, uh, that the movie was its own thing and uh-huh. just created this huge cult following that has basically put Australia on the map. That's Pris- how I took Priscilla it. Priscilla
0: Queen of the Desert, of course, is the movie. Yeah. Which you've seen, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah, very good movie.
1: I, and I can't, I've seen parts of like, Two Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julian Newmar. Yeah, I
0: never saw that one. Something mm. about Swayze, I just couldn't get it. Swayze, over. Wesley Snipes. Yeah, like Guy Pierce, perfect. Swayze.
1: Yeah. Holy cow, Guy Pierce was one of the ones in, uh, Priscilla yeah. Queen of the Desert? I didn't know that. Who, was anybody else that is a star now?
0: Well, yeah, it was definitely Guy Pierce and Hugo Weaving from The Matrix.
1: Oh, yeah, wow.
0: Mr. Anderson. Yeah. Or actually, he wasn't Mr. Anderson. He was whatever his name was. And then Terrence Stamp, of course, a legendary Terrence Stamp. And it was The Adventures of Priscilla Queen in the Desert. Yeah. So if you're looking for it on Netflix or whatever, you should watch it. It's a fun movie. Yeah. And Terrence Stamp and drag. I was like, that's something else. (laughs) He's he's the limey, you know? Right. So ultimately, what you're trying to do
1: is get a uh, job in a movie about drag queens. Or to become
0: RuPaul. That's true. And they have apparently a show last year, an Australia reality show, where their uh, drag queens are taking that same journey that they did in the movie. Right. And it's on TV now.
1: Right. Apparently, though, there's not a lot of money that you do it for the love, for the adoration. Yeah, of course. Uh, there was a study of drag queens down in Key West, which is like Drag Queen Central, uh-huh. if you've ever watched CNN's uh, New Year's Eve broadcast.
0: I've not. Yeah
1: it's like all drag queens down there it's crazy oh yeah yeah and then they drop like a drag queen in a giant high heel I think is what they do oh, really <laughs> so, like, instead of like the <laughs> yeah the, the star or the yeah. ball or whatever um but they did a study of drag queens down in Key West and they uh, they average about 200 bucks a week so they're doing it for the love people tip them
0: yeah and I think uh, probably every drag queen out there spends way more money than they're making yeah you know hosting and doing gigs like that
1: so we mentioned uh
0: Rupaul yeah, we did not mention Mae West.
1: No, well, she apparently took a uh, she based her character or her persona on a drag queen named uh, Bert Savoy. Okay. Born Everett Mackenzie, so that's weird. He was a drag queen, but he changed his name to another a male name. Huh. Anyway, um, he had a very familiar catchphrase: "You must come over." And she took that and turned it into, come up sometime and see me.
0: Yeah. And people out there are going, no, Joseph, no why don't you come up and see me sometime? Yeah, you're wrong. Yeah, that's a misquote.
1: Yeah, and similarly, Clint Eastwood based his throaty voice on Marilyn Monroe. Shut up. Swear to God. What do you mean, his throaty voice? He based it on her. He didn't really talk like that. He, that's, he well, what did he talk like? Up. He's like, hi, oh, I'm Clint Eastwood. <laughs> right. He talked like the, the generic teenage cashier from the Simpsons. Wow. No, he, uh, he said, uh, as far as Uncle John's Bathroom Reader, that he based me, his voice on Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, that he said that.
0: Crazy. Yeah. All right. Should we mention a few of these famous drag queens? Yes. Danny LaRue. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're in England and you're not into Eddie Izzard, then Danny LaRue is probably your guy, or at least until 2009 when he sadly passed away. Yeah. But he was big back in the day.
1: Yeah, in like the 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Earned a lot of money. Doris Fish.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Another Australian.
0: uh Uh-huh. Who moved to San
1: Francisco and wrote and starred in the film Vegas in Space. Have you seen that?
0: No, have you? No. It's a cult film, apparently.
1: Yeah. Not about cults. It's just like has a cult following.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And sadly, he died of AIDS in 1991. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Divine, of course, anyone who's a John Waters fan... Or should we say a Harris Milstead fan? <laughs> I didn't know that wasn't his real name.
1: Harris Glenn Milstead. I didn't either.
0: Um, Divine was John Waters, uh, one of his favorite people to put in his films, and did some kind of gross things in earlier movies like Pink Flamingos. What What did she do with dog poop? Ate it, I believe. God, that's gross. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, but uh, Divine, of course, made her biggest role in Hairspray as uh, Edna Turnball, Turnblad, and that's who... John Travolta played in the musical version. I didn't know that. Did you ever see it? No. It's an abomination. Is it really? <laughs> it's pretty bad. Where'd you see it? It's a movie, you know? Oh. Yeah, they did Hairspray on Broadway, and then they turned the Broadway show into a musical. Right. And Travolta thought... starred in the movie version of the musical.
1: Okay, but wait. Uh,
0: where did Divine star
1: in the movie, right?
0: Hairspray. The original Hairspray before it was a Broadway musical. So
1: they did a movie... Turn it into a musical and then turn the musical into a movie? Yes. That is mind bending. <laughs> it is very much. There's Dame Edna.
0: Not a fan. Oh, no? No, are you?
1: Yeah. Thought she was pleasant.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan, but that is definitely one of the more famous. And I think, uh,
1: who played him? Barry Humphreys, another Australian.
0: Yeah, but wasn't he also keen to say, like, I'm not a drag queen? Yeah.
1: She was a character that he played and it he didn't consider it like drag, right? Um, and she's retired. Woof. All right, I just showed Josh a picture of Travolta in that movie. She's uh, I did stop that. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's retired as of uh, 2012. There's Dame Edna has moved off to Florida, I guess. All right. Anyone else? Lady Bunny. Who's Lady Bunny? Lady Bunny is uh, Jill of all trades, Congress says, a multi-talented comedian, DJ, and actress. She um, founded uh, Wigstock.
0: Oh, I've heard of Wigstock.
1: See, here's a picture of Lady Bunny. She's got a huge wig, oh, okay. which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Wigstock. That's yeah. fun.
0: And Wigstock is no longer either. That ran for about a decade. Or I'm sorry, two decades. 85 to 2005.
1: Yeah, right on the nose.
0: So that's drag queens. Yep. Go see a drag show if you've never done it. If you're visiting New York in the big city and you've never been. Yeah. And you're from, oh, I don't know, Kansas.
1: You don't even know you're going to New York, man. Like, sure. The drag show I went to is in Savannah. That's a huge drag town. Yeah. 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 But yeah. I'm just
0: saying if you're vis- if you're visiting the big city for the first time, go check out a drag show, be open minded. Yeah. Have some fun. Have a drink. And it's, it's a good time.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's why we didn't really describe them much, because you kind of got to see them for yourself.
0: Well, and you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. yeah. It
1: could be terrible, or it could be great. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if you want to learn more about drag queens, you can type those words into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, since I said drag queens, that means it's time for a message break. Stuff
0: now it's time for Listen mail. Good, because... We're actually going to give advice to this kid. Okay. This this should be good. Good advice, or I don't know. We'll see. I I think we should just wing it. Uh, Hey, guys. And Jerry, first off, I'm a huge fan, and I'm about to graduate after five long years at the University of Washington in Seattle. Go
1: Huskers. Huskies. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Instead of getting a degree in something practical that would set me up for a great job like business or engineering, I follow my interests, which I think is great, by the way. Mm Mm-hmm. And I will be getting uh, a B.A. in Spanish and a B.S. in Astronomy and Physics. Awesome. Uh, that being said, guys, I'm about to graduate in five weeks, and I really have nothing lined up for when I enter the, quote, real world. Can you send me some money? <laughs> I know I want to go back to school eventually for something involving education, but I was curious if you have any suggestions or advice of what I should do in the meantime. I'm a little stressed about it, to be honest, so I thought I would turn to the duo that never leads me astray. And this is Owen... Uh, and he says it's pronounced something like Cephas. So okay. I'm going to say Owen Cephas, but it's <laughs> spelled, it's got a lot of consonants in it.
1: You're gonna, Let me see.
0: Jeez. Yeah, so that's Caphas apparently. Okay. So, Owen, um, advice. Of course, the first thing I'm going to say is travel, and probably Josh, too, because it's always good after you finish college to get out there and see a little bit of the world because it might inform your decisions in life. It might open you up to something you might want to do. I have some job
1: um, advice. Okay. I would say just like college, follow your um, passions. Yeah. So if you find, if you think about it, like, wow, I really, really am hardcore into Spanish, figure out something to use that, yeah. some way to use that. Or astronomy. It's a pretty narrow use of that, but you never know. Like if you... Uh, uh, there could be um, a company out there that loves employing astronomers and yes. just has them sit around all day talking or, about astronomy. if he's into education
0: eventually, you could go get a job at a science center. Yeah. And uh, work uh, with a big telescope and a planetarium and delight and entertain school children. Right. But um, if you're studying Spain, dude, and you have some time, Spanish, I would say go to Spain. Sure. Get a ticket. Go to Spain. Check things out. Might fall in bon love. Might... Decide on a job, you might just eat some good paella and have a good time and go home and mm-hmm. be broke. <laughs> I say get a job, hippie.
1: But make sure it's a job you love. Yeah. I mean, that's the point to me. It's like, that's what we both did. We figured out what we loved and we parlayed them into jobs, you know?
0: Yeah, later in life as well. So kids, you don't have to, um, you don't have, to have it all locked down right after graduation. You yeah.
1: Know? And also, Owen, one thing that I've learned is that you don't, you almost never... Use the actual degree that you majored in. Like, it's almost never applied to the actual job you get. Uh, I don't know. I'll think about this. I'm an English major. Right. I was a history major. That has nothing to do with my job. Dude, are you kidding me? Anthropology. I'll, we do history to do with all the time. Right. Anthropology? But we we're hired as writers.
0: Right? Yeah, okay. I see your point. But So,
1: like, there was a guy, I can't remember, who was the NBC chief? that Seinfeld used to like mock he actually um, became like a character when they were trying to sell the TV Yeah, he fell in love with Elaine Uh that's a real guy and he actually was like the head of NBC for a while Yeah. in like NBC's heyday he did a beautiful job of like picking shows and sticking with them and steering them and that was when NBC was dominating he had a degree in psychology
0: that had nothing to do with it yeah but don't you think psychology helped him with dealing with you know high powered People and
1: no, I'll tell you what what did it. He was doing what he loved, and hence what he was good at. And if you do that, you will always succeed. Uh, well, you know what? Unless you're a philosophy major, you sold me.
0: Good. All right, so that was from Owen. Thanks for that. You're awesome. Let us know what you do. I'd like follow up. I'd like to know, Owen. Yeah. If you go to Spain, I'd like to hear about it. Or if you get a job, I want to hear about it.
1: <laughs> How old is he?
0: Uh,
1: Five years, so he's probably like 23. Yeah, probably
0: somewhere in there. Whatever you do, Owen, good luck. But he's like 47. He didn't. <laughs> he failed to mention that. <laughs> right. I've got a late start. I worked in a factory for 20 years.
1: Should I go travel to Spain? Yes. Uh, if you want some advice for me and Chuck, man, this is going to open a floodgate, I think, Chuck. Sure. You can uh, tweet short questions to us at SYSK podcast. You can join us on facebook.com slash stuffyoushouldknow. You can uh, send us an email to stuffpodcast at discovery.com, and you can always go check out our website for answers. It has all of them. That's stuffyoushouldknow.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.
1: This podcast is brought to you by BASF, the chemical company.